Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, good to see you today, and we're glad that you joined us here for worship. If you're just now tuning in, my name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here at Community of Hope, and we're so glad that you've joined us for worship today. Hey, listen, before we go any further in the service, I just want to take a minute, and if you are new to our church, you want to connect with us in a better way, go ahead and text the word hello to the number on your screen. That's the easiest way to make an initial connection with Community of Hope, and if you've been streaming for the whole service, you've heard us say it before, we're not going to spam you, don't worry about that. We're just trying to make it as easy as possible for you to get in first connection with us so we can introduce you to the life of our church. So make sure you do that. We're delighted that you joined us for worship today. Hey, so uh, what you guys just saw on the screen uh, is an incredible thing called The Chosen, and it's a new project. It's a film project. It's the first ever TV series. It's a multi-season TV series about the life of Jesus. It's the first one developed of its kind. It's developed outside of the Hollywood system. And it's really cool. We commend it to you so you can go and search for it on any app store and on any device. Go download the Chosen app and because we thought it was really neat. We wanted to tell you about that video clip there just so we could be good neighbors to them for showing that in our service. So go check that out and support that. That's a really cool thing. Now, the reason we showed you that clip from The Chosen is to help illustrate what we've been talking about in our brand new series. We're in a series called Amazed, and we're talking about taking a closer look at the life of Jesus. What we've been doing, we've been taking passages out of the first gospel that was written, the gospel of Mark, to look at times in the Bible when people said that they They were amazed by this man named Jesus. And that's why I think it's important to take a closer look at him and at his life. And I think it's really appropriate now to take a closer look now more than ever, especially through the season that we're going through. Many of us are taking a closer look at all sorts of things in life. We're taking a closer look at our lives. We're taking a closer look at our work. We're taking a closer look at our routine, a closer look at how we spend our money, a closer look at how we save our money, a closer look at how we invest our money, a closer look on our relationships and a closer look at our families. Uh, who would have thought that a global pandemic like this would have had us reevaluate everything? It's been challenging in many ways, but in a lot of ways, it's helped us to look at things in a fresh new angle to take a closer look. Like, so for instance, in me and my family, we've taken a closer look in this season for how we spend our time. Uh, my kids love to play inside, love their toys, love their action figures, but when you go under social distance, and stay-at-home orders, and you have to stay at your house all the time, well, then it kind of forced us to start playing a little bit more outside. In fact, I want to show you two pictures that's been really cool for my family. We're going to go ahead and put it on the screen here. This is something that's been going on in my house because of COVID-19. We are outside more, and now both my kids ride their bike without their training wheels uh, thanks to what's happening. It's a really neat thing. Now, I promised my kids, I promised my son Cade, that uh, I would tell all of you that it only took him two days working with a balanced bike to begin to learn how to ride without training wheels. And I promised my little girl, Tessa, that uh, she, she wanted to tell all of you that she can brake on her bike. And so I have now fulfilled my promise, and now I've been a good daddy in this moment. And so this has helped us to take a closer look at all sorts of things that are going on in your life. I wonder what that's been like for you. 
Well, I think the perfect thing to take a closer look at in this season is actually the life of Jesus. Not just how we live now, but a closer look at what's ultimately most important and taking a closer look at Jesus. This is the perfect time to do this as a church. And so what you just saw was a rendition of the scripture that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. The scripture that we showed you from the chosen comes from Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. It's an incredible story. It's where Jesus heals the paralytic. And we're going to have the scripture on the screen below and encourage you to follow along with me. And this is our passage for today where we're going to look at the amazing life of Jesus of Nazareth. It says it here, chapter two, verse one. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men, came, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the, man, the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of all of them. This, here it is, amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Would you pray with me? So Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, that you are an amazing person and you have lived an amazing life and you are doing amazing things now, even in our midst. I ask by the power of your word that you would speak fresh to everyone who is streaming this or listening to it later at another time. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your law and that we would not only be uh, edified with what we hear, but we'll be transformed with what we hear. Come Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus name we pray. And everybody at home said, amen. Now this scene that you have seen and now we have read, this is a really tension filled, controversial scene. You could tell by the clip that we showed you the moment where that scene takes a turn. The pivot point of this passage of scripture is when Jesus turns to the paralytic before him and says, your sins are forgiven. That's where everything blows up. Now, before we take a deeper dive into that, let's just zoom out for a minute and talk about this idea of your sins are forgiven. So let's zoom out. Let's talk about the concept of sin here just for a few moments. What is sin in the first place? Well, if you look at just the basic descriptors of the Bible and the list of all the rules of do's and do not, if that's how you go to define sin, that's one way to do it. That's one way to understand what all the different sins the Bible may outline are. But if you do that, you're going to miss the point of scripture 
all together. In fact, it's more helpful to get the whole category and understanding of what is sin when the Bible talks about it than when Jesus is forgiving people of sin. Our very own Dr. Vic Copan, he defines sin as this in one of his books. He says, sin is basically the thing that uh, brings separation, the thing that breaks your relationship with God, with others, or even with yourself. He talks about this concept of the peace that we have in relationships, the biblical idea and the Hebrew word shalom, anything that severs or wounds or breaks your peace, your relationship with God, with another person, and even with yourself. That is what the Bible defines as sin. Now, uh, we know many people in our church are navigating faith for the very first time. So some of you may be streaming this. You go, that's nice, Pastor Trevor, but I don't even believe in the Bible's definitions of sin. I'm not even sure if there's a more equivalent of sin. I'm not even sure what's necessarily true or not true. That's all good and fine. But all of us know where you're streaming from. We all understand what it feels like to have a strained relationship or to lose closeness with somebody or to have a break, to have a rift. All of us have experienced the pain of that. That's what sin is. Sin is what causes that pain. It's what causes that distance. It's what causes that break. We've all experienced it because we've all experienced loss in some relationship one way or another in our lives, and especially with our relationship with the God of the universe. We experienced distance with him before. So this is broadly what sin is talking about. So Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. So if you look at what forgiveness is, well, if you just open up a dictionary and talk about forgiveness, uh, it would just look like, oh, it's forgiveness is to, to have the guilt and the shame of that sin, of that breaking of relationships, is to have that removed. Well, I know in my life that oftentimes what's more helpful to me isn't necessarily to read a dictionary, but sometimes to really understand the heart of something, you need to read a poem instead. In fact, check this out. There's some poetry in the Christian scriptures about this, about the concept of forgiveness and what it is like. We're going to put it on the screen. The first one comes from Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. Check this out with me. This is what forgiveness is like. A picture says a thousand, paints a thousand words, right? Verse 11 says this, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. What an amazing word picture. But what's forgiveness like? What's well, like when God comes to remove the thing that has damaged a relationship in your life and to take it away from you. It's like he has a rocket arm and throws it all the way past the horizon. Kind of like how Tom Brady's going to do in Tampa Bay late, later this year. Just boom, throws a rocket of a past, but with God, he throws it so far, you can't even see it anymore. And it's just gone. Never to be seen again. That's forgiveness. Here's another poetic description of forgiveness. It's Micah 7, verses 18 through 19. And the prophet Micah says this. He says, who is a God like you? who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. My goodness, I wonder how many of you just need to hear that alone today. That's who God is. He delights to show mercy and 
God, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot. And here's the picture. And you will hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. So it's kind of like God removing as far as east is from west. And it's like if God took everything that you have ever done or failed to do that you should have done that has created separation in any of your relationships, including with him, and you guys were out in a boat to the middle of the ocean and God says, you know what I'm going to do with this sin in your life? I'm going to put cement boots on it and boom, drops into the middle of the ocean to sink to the depths of the ocean's floor into the sea of forgetfulness where no one will ever see it again and God won't even remember it anymore. What an incredible idea this is of the God of the Bible about what he does with sin when forgiveness comes on the scene. Now, in the ancient world, how did the Israelites obtain forgiveness? Well, they had this elaborate religious system of sacrifice to do it. There was one particular day called the Day of Atonement. And what they had to do was they had to take an animal, most likely a lamb, and sacrifice this animal in the place of them for their sins. Now, to all our vegan and vegetarian friends at home, that sounds horrific. Oh no, don't hurt the animal. And if you grew up in suburbia like me, the closest thing that you've ever seen to an animal dying like that is the meat aisle at Publix. This is strange to a lot of us and completely foreign to us. If this is how you had to obtain forgiveness 2,000 years ago, you had to go sacrifice an animal. Sounds almost, bar- almost barbaric, doesn't it? Well, I want to show you something. Uh, this May marks about 10 years since Leah and I, my wife Leah, if you don't know her, uh, we went on a missions trip to Guatemala. There's a picture of us. We're going to show it to you on the screen here in just a minute. This is a picture of us in the beautiful city of Antigua. And uh, my beard is eating my face there. And I obviously needed a haircut after a week of mission work. Uh, in a city called, Chon- in a, a little village called Chantal outside of a city called Chichi. We're building churches and loving kids and reaching people for Jesus well over a week. And this is how we ended our time in this beautiful country with these wonderful people. As so we went to the city of Antigua. And then later that day, this is just because it's fun in my, in my time in Guatemala, we ended our trip with being able to hike up one of the volcanoes outside of Antigua. And here's a picture of that hike that's really fun. We're going to show it on the screen here in just a sec. And that is me 10 years ago on a volcano where there's actual lava coming out of it. And why am I holding a ring? No, that is not my wedding ring. I'd only been married for a year at that point, but I wasn't dumb enough to throw my wedding ring in there. That is because I'm a nerd and I couldn't go to a volcano and not throw a ring into hot lava like Lord of the Rings. I took the ring to Mordor and all the nerds watching Community of Hope united and we took out our retainers and gave each other high fives. Boom. Now, oh Lord. Now, it was really cool. It was the, probably one of the greatest days of my life to get to do that. It was neat. Now, we went on the volcano, and get this, I even got to roast s'mores over hot lava. I mean, it was just like a day of all days to have. So when I remember the beautiful country of Guatemala, what do I remember? I remember the people. I remember the work that we did for Jesus there. I remember the city. I remember the volcano. I also remember the smell of the country of Guatemala. Now, I don't mean that in a derogatory term in any way, shape, or form, but I remember how the country smells, and it smells very different than any other country I've ever been to. All of Guatemala, to me, as an American, to me, smells like fire. 
And the reason it smells like fire everywhere in Guatemala is because many people um, have fires in their homes and that's how they cook their food. But it also smells like fire everywhere because they're offering sacrifices in Guatemala to Mayan gods that they have been a part of their ancient civilization. They do burnt offerings. They do grain offerings. They do drink offerings. And they even do animal sacrifice offerings. I've seen it with my very own eyes. And so when we read passages in the Bible to go, oh, uh, just as through a Western perspective, we go, I can't believe that they had to, thought they had to sacrifice an animal to appease a God. Oh, how that's insane. Well, that's happening all over the world still today in the year 2020. This is how human beings have thought they had to appease the gods. Now, the difference between 2020 Guatemala and ancient Israel is this is what God told them to do. They weren't guessing. This is what God told them to do. That he said, all right, you have sin that separated you from me. And I've made a way for you to reconnect with me. And I will allow what you've done to break our relationship and break your relationships with each other, your sin. I've allowed for your sin to not go on you, but onto something else, like a lamb. Ancient Israelites wouldn't have seen that as gruesome. They would have seen it as grace. We have to see it through their eyes to understand the passage that's happening now. Okay, so let's rewind. We're back in the scene where Jesus is looking at the paralyzed man who's on a mat before him. And he says to him, your sins are forgiven. Can you understand now why this is insanely controversial for him to do? It is not the day of atonement. There are no priests anywhere near. There are no animals being sacrificed. And to make things worst of all, you could see it in the passage. Jesus himself declares, I forgive your sins. Your sins are forgiven. For him to declare that somebody is forgiven is to put Jesus equal with God because only God can forgive sin. Jesus is in major hot water. He's making everybody turn their necks. He said, what? It would have confused everyone in the room for him to be able to declare those words to this man. In fact, he could sense, it says spiritually, he could discern the hearts of the people in the room. But I'm telling you what, I bet you could just feel the tension. You could guess what the teachers of the law were thinking. I know exactly what they're thinking. This guy's blaspheming. And so Jesus looks at them and says, all right, fine. Let me prove it to you. What's easier? You tell me. What's easier? To say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, pick up your mat and go home. And to the normal person who was there in the room, it would have been the same for me. It would have been the same for you. We would have all looked at Jesus and go, duh, the harder thing to say is get up and take your mat and go home. I can't even get my kids to go get up and pick up your toys. They won't even do that. Of course, the harder thing is the miracle to do in the room. Even today, 2,000 years later, with the advancements of medical science that we have, if somebody has experienced paralysis of any kind, oftentimes the best that technology can do is to provide a super high-tech exoskeleton thing for them to be able to stand. We still have issues with paralysis. So what's harder? Of course, Jesus is to tell this guy to get up and walk and pick up his mat and go home. It's the miracle. But Jesus disagrees. In fact, Jesus 
instead says to him, but to prove to you, I can do the harder thing, which is to forgive sins. Because remember, only God has the authority and the holiness who's never sinned before. Only the one who's never sinned has the power to absolve someone else of sin. Jesus, it's like he's saying, you're wrong. The forgiveness is actually the harder thing. And to prove to you have the authority to do the harder thing, I'll do the thing that will blow you away. Get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And he does. And Jesus proved his point. And so what's his point? It's this, that the forgiveness of Jesus is amazing. It's amazing. It's more amazing than the miracle in the story. It's more amazing than probably you and I can possibly fathom. It's certainly more amazing than somebody just looking at another person and going, ah, it doesn't matter. Ah, it's okay. All this stuff greatly matters to God. And the forgiveness of Jesus is mind-blowing, heart-expanding, world-shifting, amazing. Why? Well, first, the forgiveness of Jesus, it's amazing because it costs Jesus his life. It costs Jesus his life. It's very costly. See, other miracles that Jesus did, it cost him his power. There's one time a woman touched the edge of his robe and he said, I felt power come out from me and that miracle healing cost him his power, but forgiveness cost Jesus his life. I remember uh, if you've heard me preach at any of our campuses before we went into stay-at-home orders, uh, I like to talk about a lot how I went to church growing up, but for a long time, I hated going to church. Absolutely loathed going to church. And now look, I'm effectively a televangelist. Watch out kids for what you wish for at home. And so I hated going to church. And oftentimes I just didn't understand things. Like I'd see pictures on the wall of Jesus holding a lamb. And I didn't understand. That's like a weird painting to have. Who has a painting of holding a lamb? I thought as a kid, why are lambs Jesus's favorite pet? Why isn't Jesus holding a dog? I mean, clearly he should be holding a golden retriever as his favorite pet. I know obviously why Jesus would not be holding a cat because cats are from the devil and God doesn't like cats. So, you know, I understand that. And besides, he should be holding a dog because if you spell dog backwards, it spells God. Of course, Jesus should be holding a golden retriever. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, eventually I started, my family uh, got connected to this church. There were people who loved to teach the Bible, loved to teach the meaning and the symbolism behind a lot of Christianity. My heart came alive and I found out this phrase when Jesus was called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, forgiveness is amazing because of what it costs. All those animal sacrifices in the Old Testament were all just foreshadowing for what God planned to do the whole time with his own very son laying his life down on the line for people who are sinners who have broken their relationship with God and with others like me and like all of you at home. In fact, Jesus' apostle Peter, he says that we were redeemed, we were ransomed with what? The precious blood of Jesus. Forgiveness is amazing because it's so very costly for God to purchase for us. Now, forgiveness is also amazing 
Not only because of what it costs, but because of what it reveals. See, the forgiveness of Jesus, it reveals the love of Jesus. That's why it's so amazing and so incredible. You have to think to yourself, why in the world would anybody willingly choose to be crucified on a Roman cross, the worst way to die in the ancient world, the worst form of capital punishment, the cruelest form of death in the ancient world. If people would have looked on Jesus's death certificate, it would have said death by crucifixion, but we know what's actually the truth about it. It wasn't death by crucifixion. It was death by love. One of my favorite worship songs that's been penned in the past few years has a verse in it that goes something like this. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. You don't need to change the channel. But it goes something like this. Of, you didn't want heaven without us. So you brought heaven down. And my sin was great, but your love was greater. And what could separate us now? See, the forgiveness of Jesus that he purchased with his death on the cross is amazing because when Jesus is nailed, to that cross, if you would look at him in the eyes and ask him, Jesus, how much do you love me? He would say, this much. This much. And forgiveness, it not only reveals the love of Jesus, but this forgiveness of Jesus of Nazareth is amazing. Not just because of what it costs reveals, but because of what it causes. It has an effect on people. And it causes people to love Jesus in return. See, there's this story that comes from the gospel of Luke where a quote-unquote sinful woman approaches Jesus and crashes a dinner party that he's at. And she comes to him and she begins to weep at his feet. She's creating quite a scene. And as she's weeping, her tears are wetting his feet. And she begins to wipe his feet with her own very hair. It's this beautiful um, picture of somebody who is so grateful for what this Jesus has done for them. Many of the stuck-up religious people don't know what to do with this. Like, if he knew who was touching his feet, like, if he knew her story, if he knew how she had been around the block, he wouldn't even let her touch him. But Jesus turns to Peter and goes, hey, Peter, question. So if two people owe somebody money, like say one, someone owes somebody 5,000 bucks and another person owes that same person only 50 bucks and they both get their debt wiped out, who's going to love the person more and be more grateful? And Peter goes, oh, well, gee, I guess it's the person who had the debt forgiven or like the 5,000 bucks. And Jesus went, exactly right. And he starts speaking about this woman in the presence of everybody else. It says, you see here, her many sins have been forgiven. And she is loving much because she's been forgiven much. And those who have been forgiven little, they love little. And just to clarify, it's not like some people have a whole lot more to be forgiven for. And only some people have a little bit to be forgiven for. What Jesus is getting at is those who realize how much they need to be forgiven for and realize the depth of the forgiveness of Jesus. It has an effect on your heart that changes everything. It makes you want to give everything to this man named Jesus. There's this story that the great biblical scholar and theologian N.T. Wright uh, tells about this archbishop who tells a story of three teenagers who come to him for confession. 
And in the story of them coming to him for confession, uh, they, they just go to make a joke of it. They're there to give false confessions just because they were bored and they wanted something fun to do and something mean to do. So they went to this archbishop. And can you imagine going to somebody and giving a confession of something along the lines of, I, you know, I, I've sinned and I, I want to ask for forgiveness because I'm an alien from Mars and I'm here to invade the earth. Or a 13-year-old kid who's there goes once, he might, wants to make another confession of, I, I just want to confess that I'm the one who killed JFK. I mean, it's all, it's just a show and a joke. And so for the first two teenage boys that this archbishop is hearing their confession, he plays along with it and hears it and lets them go in peace. But for the third one who gives him a false confession, just a joke and a farce of everything else, he listens and he listens and he goes, okay. Um, so thank you for your confession. I really appreciate that. But to show your repentance and your sincerity of your confession for these sins that you've confessed to me, I want you to come with me. And they walked together and he walked them to the front of the church and he said, here's a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. And um, to show your repentance and the sincerity of your heart, I want you to look at that picture and I want you to say to the picture of Jesus on the wall, I see everything you've done for me and I don't care. And I want you to say it three times. And so the young man is like, okay. I see everything that you've done for me, and I don't care. One. I see everything that you've, you've done for me, and I don't, I don't care. Two. And he goes to do the third one. He says, I, I see everything that you've done for me, and he can't get through it. And the archbishop who's telling N.T. Wright this story says, you know how I know the, the story about these three young men? It's because I was the third young man. See, this is what happens when you look at the cross of Jesus and how he offered forgiveness for the whole world. That something happens in that moment and something grips you and takes a hold of your heart and something changes you and transforms you. You know what's changing you. You know what's gripping you. You know what's transforming you. It's the arms of the forgiving one. And you find yourself in the grip of the love of God found in Jesus. Now, friends, I want to say to you that this, this forgiveness, it's amazing. But you know when it's most amazing It's most amazing, not when you're admiring it. It's most amazing when you're experiencing it for you. And Jesus is offering it right now by his Holy Spirit to you, wherever and however you are streaming this. He's here and he's here to look in your eyes Now, he's come to you not through you being lowered on a mat through a roof, but he's coming to you through a phone, through a TV, through a computer, and he's reaching out to you now. And you can experience this forgiveness that changes everything if you just reach out and ask him for it, and he'll meet you right where you're at. Would you pray with me? So I just want to invite you, wherever you're at, at home, I want you to just take a moment 
and pray just you. And I'm going to walk you through this. See, there's some of you who need this forgiveness right now where you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And what's good about this is that forgiveness and encountering the forgiveness of Jesus every single day is what keeps your heart soft and which keeps you home and spares you from drifting away from him and drifting away from following him to connect with this forgiveness fresh every single day like fresh bread. This is what some of you need. And there are others of you who may have been following Jesus, but it's been a long time since you've connected to your need for forgiveness. There's an opportunity to do that fresh right now. And there are some of you who have never asked Jesus to forgive you. And you are in for the experience of your life by reaching out for his love. Wherever you are at in your spiritual journey, why don't you just take a minute and I want you to ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins. Now, don't name general. Get specific with him. Name the things that have broken your relationship with him, your relationship with others, and even with yourself. Take a minute, just you and God, and do that now. This is the God who meets you with mercy in his eyes. He's with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you paid the costly price for forgiveness with your own precious blood. And you did it because you're madly in love with us. And Lord, we reach out for it now. We ask you, Jesus, son of the living God, have mercy on us and forgive us for our sins. We ask for your sacrifice to cover each and every single one of them now. And we receive the grace of God through you. Thank you, Lord, for it all. We give you everything in return. Friends, in the name of Jesus, you and I, we are forgiven. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for worship today here at Community of Hope. Hey, we want to ask you a little bit of a favor. If you're somebody maybe who is saying yes to this forgiveness of Jesus for the very first time, and you want to follow this one who is changing everything, um, if you want to follow him, maybe you're coming home to recommitting your life to him. Maybe you want to get baptized, get further connected to Community of Hope, whatever it is, do us a favor, just text the word next to the number on the screen, or you can just go to communityofhope.church slash next. It's a quick form that you can fill out to, have, uh, to help us help you take your next step in your journey of faith. So friends, would you prepare your heart to receive this benediction? Now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.